Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 the wlcc brandon faith talk tampa download the faith talk tampa app or listen on TuneIn and odyssey the following is sponsored by verse by verse ministries and is pre-recorded understand that the reason we get angry is that we want our own way That's bottom line. Selfishness, self-centeredness. I have a personal agenda and somebody got in my way. And you know what? There's always somebody who's going to get in your way. There's always somebody who's going to keep you from getting what you want. And that's the cause of anger. Vince Lombardi, the legendary coach of the Green Bay Packers, had a large organizational chart on the wall behind his huge mahogany desk. At the top was a small rectangle, and inside it was written, Vince Lombardi, head coach and general manager. A line ran straight down to a very large rectangle. Inside that box was written, everybody else. It was a system that worked well for the Packers of the late 50s and the 60s. Lombardi had a .754 regular season winning record in his years with the Packers from 1959 until 1967. And it was 9-1 in the postseason, winning three NFL championships before winning the first two Super Bowls ever played. Sadly, though, many of us use that very same organizational chart in our own day-to-day lives. We are at the top, and everyone else reports to us. And that leads to one miserable situation after another. Today on Verse by Verse, Pastor Steve Kreloff will conclude another three-part message on holiness from the third chapter of Colossians. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel, and these Bible classes, based on his messages, are produced by Verse by Verse Ministries. In our last two classes, we saw that God takes sins of the tongue just as seriously as he does the ones we think are bad. In fact, they are just as bad as murder. Today, we'll see that the Bible offers us some ways we can keep from committing those kinds of sins. Now, with our lesson for today, here's Pastor Steve. Jesus taught that the sin of anger was the same as the sin of murder. The sin of murder. Because anger and hatred lie at the heart of murder, right? Nobody ever murdered somebody because they were feeling good about them. Now, we have to be be careful and fair in this. No one was ever executed for anger. But God says, as far as he is concerned, that, that the law requires judgment for anger because in his eyes it's murder. Now, so it's not in society's eyes. You, you won't be thrown in jail for just getting angry in your heart at, at somebody. But we're talking about what God says. And then Jesus said, he went on to speak about raka. Now, that would mean nothing to us if you didn't know that raka was an Aramaic word uh, that was an expression of contempt. In today's language, it would be, call, it would be like calling someone a, a stupid idiot. Uh, and even worse, it was a, it was to slander them and, and character assassination. It was to slander their intelligence. Jesus went on to say, even if you call someone a fool, 
You're, you're guilty of hell. That's strong language. What does that mean? Well, in Christ's day, to call someone a fool didn't mean, oh, you're so silly. You're so foolish. What he meant was you're a godless apostate who deserves hell. So it'd be tantamount to us saying you ought to go to hell. That, that would be that. that. That would be equivalent of that. That's, that's strong language. That's strong language. That, those are attitudes of hatred, and God says it's murder. Now, if you uh, can, you turn to Genesis chapter 9, verse 6. I want to read to you. Right after the flood, God instituted capital punishment, which in God's economy continues to this day, even if our society is not obedient to that. But God said in Genesis 9, 6, he gave the reason for capital punishment. Whoever sheds man's blood... By man, his blood shall be shed. And here's the reason. For in the image of God, he made man. God explains why he instituted the death penalty, because man was made in his image. Therefore, to to take a human life was a direct attack on the sacredness of God's image. That's, That's what it was about. That's still what it's about. Well, in James... Chapter 3, verse 9, James talks about the sins of the tongue, the sins of of evil speech. And he says in chapter 3, verse 9, with it, meaning with our tongue, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. To slander someone created in God's image is tantamount to blaspheming God, which deserves death. It's, It's like murder. It is murder. That's how strong this is. I I want you to see that we're not talking about, well, I just told a white lie, whatever that may mean. I just exaggerated. God says that you deserve death. It's murder. It's not like murder. It is murder. It is murder. So that's number one to keep in mind. Now, the second point is, since this sin is so serious, I mean, anger is murder. If it's so serious then how do we deal with it? Well, what you need to do is don't let your conflicts and disagreements reach a point where you're boiling inside and then you explode, where it turns into bitterness and rage. Uh, in fact, we go back to Matthew chapter 5. Jesus went on to say he gave, he gave a way of dealing with anger before it became serious stuff. Matthew chapter 5, verse 23, if therefore you are presenting your offering at the altar... And there, remember that you that your brother has something against you. Leave your offering there before the altar. Go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and present your offering. In other words, if you're worshiping here at Lakeside and you're in the middle of worship and God brings to your mind the fact that you have sinned against someone, you have wronged them, then stop your worship. God doesn't accept it anyway. Stop your worship. Get up and go and get that taken care of. And then you can resume your your worship. Deal with it before it escalates. Before it escalates. That's what what he's saying. Then go and, and take care of it. In other words, you go to somebody, and it's so important that God wants us to be reconciled with one another before things blow up. You go and you say, brother, sister, please forgive me. I'm so sorry. I, I You know, just be honest. Don't make an excuse. I've sinned against you. It, you say, but that's so humbling. Exactly. Humble yourself. Ask for forgiveness. And you must take the initiative. You must take the initiative and go to them if you've sinned against them. But some people want to excuse and say, oh, it'll be all right. No, it won't be all right. You'll be doing a slow burn. 
You'll be doing a slow burn. You go and you take the initiative and and they'll be doing a slow burn also, I should say. You say, well, what if they sinned against me? What if they sinned against me? Well, Matthew 18 says, if someone sins against you, you go to them and tell them. And that's where you need to to remember that it's not going to be okay. Well, you know, that's I don't like doing that. I don't know anybody who does like doing that. But we are to obey anyway. Go to that person and uh, and you tell them. You might not be aware of this, but you've offended me. That's why Ephesians chapter 4 speaks about speaking the truth in love. Tell somebody the truth. It also says, don't let the sun go down on your anger, meaning take care of it now. Because it's what happens is you, if you go to sleep with that stuff, it just hardens in your heart. It, it forms some kind of concrete where it turns from anger to bitterness. And you think it's normal and you live like that. That's important. Third thing to keep in mind, recognize that the cause or source of anger isn't somebody else. Isn't their fault. Well, if they didn't speak like that to me, I wouldn't be so angry. If they didn't do this, I, I wouldn't be so mad. It's not your set of circumstances. How do I know that? Because Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, you brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak what is good? For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. The mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. In other words, the problem is your heart, your attitude. You see, conflicts don't create anger. Conflicts never create anger. They just reveal that you're an angry person. They just reveal what's on the inside. What's on the inside? So if the source of of anger is us, then how can you change it? The solution is very simple. You ought to write this down and listen closely. The solution is really quite simple. How do you deal with anger? Understand that the reason we get angry is that we want our own way. That's bottom line. Selfishness, self-centeredness. I have a personal agenda and somebody got in my way. And you know what? There's always somebody who's going to get in your way. There's always somebody who's going to keep you from getting what you want. And that's the cause of anger. Let's look at James chapter 4 for some biblical substance to what to what I'm saying. James chapter 4, some biblical authority. James says in verse 1, right after Hebrews, what is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? I mean, why do you fight? Why do you get so angry? Is not the source of your pleasures that wage war in your members? You lust and do not have. Not talking about sexual lust now. Talking about you desire something. You want your own way and you don't have it. So you commit murder. He's not talking about picking up a knife, a gun. He's talking about the sin of murder in terms of anger. And you are envious and cannot obtain. You're jealous. You're envious. So you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. Now, what is he saying? He's saying the real problem is that you want something so bad that you will hate another person who keeps you from getting it. It is just pride, just pride. And he said, if it's really important to get, then you ought to pray about it. You have not because you don't ask. And he talks about asking the Lord. Verse three, you ask and do not receive. Okay, now you say, I'm not going to get angry. I'll pray about it. But you don't get it. You don't get it from God. Why? Because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend it on your pleasures. 
God's not even going to give it to you because you have such a self-centered perspective. The reason we get angry is because we want our way and someone either has said something or has done something to keep us from getting our way and we are hot under the collar. That's why. Now, if you recognize that, you're, you're halfway through the battle in, in terms of victory. The problem is not somebody else because if it isn't this person, it can be that person. If you move from here and go somewhere else, it's going to be a person just like that. If you think by getting getting married and getting away from your parents who harp on you all the time, forget it because your spouse is going to be just like your mom or dad. Well, I'm going to quit this job because they're so on my case all the time. It gets me so angry. You go somewhere, it'll be worse. You have, you have two bosses just like this now. I mean, that's just the way it is. There's always somebody who's going to keep you from getting your way. So therefore, the solution is Number one, I'm going to give you a threefold solution. The problem is our self-centeredness. The solution is humility. Humility. Don't think you're so important that you have to get your way. That's why James goes on in chapter 4, same context, verse 6 through 10. Verses 6 through 10, he says, but he gives greater grace. Therefore, it says God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Why does he say that? Because these people had a problem with pride. That's why they're always fighting. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee. Do you notice there's, there's humility, there's, there's uh, a submission. Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord and he will exalt you. It's talking about getting right with God. Stop insisting on your own way. Mourn over your sin. See how how humble God wants you to be. You don't have to get your way. If you think like that, then you're going to be an angry person. So uh, the first thing is humble yourself. There is nothing we deserve except hell. Nothing we deserve. But if you think that I have my rights and my ways and I deserve this and deserve it, you're going to be angry. You're going to be angry. That's the source of it. Secondly, stop thinking about yourself and your rights. And get your mind on God's word and what it says. That's why Paul said in Colossians 3, 2, set your mind on the things above, not on the things of the earth. The things above would be compassion and holiness and and all of those virtues he's going to speak about later on. But the things, setting your your mind on the things below are these things of, of anger and wrath and malice and slander and abusive speech and lying. Those are the things that are below. So get your mind on what does God want to accomplish? Notice how much this is associated, malice and anger, with, with God's word. First Peter chapter 2, for example. First Peter chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, putting aside all malice, all guile, hypocrisy and envy and all slander like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the word that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. Put aside the malice, put aside your own thoughts and get into God's word. Let it get into you. That's, that's a great truth. Galatians chapter 5 says the same thing, that anger and evil speech, it's a deed of the flesh. And then he goes on to speak about being controlled by the spirit, walk in the spirit. What does that mean? Obey the word of God. So secondly, start memorizing scripture, start meditating on scriptures. I said last week, have somebody hold you accountable. Meet with some other people. Number three, get a godly perspective. Get a godly perspective. This is great. If he, uh, uh, turn back, if you would, to Philippians. Just one book back from Colossians. Philippians, Philippians chapter 4, verse 1. 
Therefore, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see, my joy and crown, so stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. Paul is talking about he just loves them. They love him, but there was a problem. Verse 2, I urge Euodia and I urge Syntyche to live in harmony in the Lord. These were two women who were at each other's throats. Indeed, true comrade, I ask you to help these women who have shared my struggle in the cause of the gospel together with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice. Let your forbearing spirit be known to all. The Lord is near. That's tremendous. That all ties together. He says, he says that help these women who are fighting, help them to teach them this, rejoice in the Lord and teach them to have a forbearing spirit. A forbearing spirit is a yielding of right spirit. And then he says the Lord is near. What does he mean by that? In light of Christ's return, stop your silly, nonsensical bickering. What difference does it make? In light of Christ's return, well, she said this to me. She wronged me. Oh, no, she wronged me. She did this to me. In light of Christ's return, he'll straighten it all out. Who cares? When he gets here, the truth will come out. He'll deal with your problems. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. Don't make an issue of it. Christ is coming back. He'll take care of it. Get God's perspective on it. It's not up to you to get back to someone. Uh, Paul said in Romans 12, 19, vengeance is mine. Let God deal with it. In light of the coming of Christ, the only thing you need to concern yourself with a godly perspective is what is God doing in my life? Well, I'll tell you why he sends people into your life who who tend to irritate us and get in our way and all of these things because he is conforming us to the image of Christ. He's conforming us to the very image of Jesus Christ. That's why all things are working together for good to those who love God. All things because he's making you more like Christ. How does he do that? When when you are tempted to be angry and somebody says something to you or gets in your way, you need to ask yourself, what does God want me to do? Why has he let this come in my life that I, you know, at a board meeting, I can't get my thing passed that I want to get passed? At home, I can't watch my favorite television program? I can't get, I have these wonderful shoes picked out, I can't get them, why can't I get them? All these things... At work, I think my plan is great, but somebody else's plan they're going to go with. Oh, I want vacation time in July and somebody else gets it. Why do I have to get it in August? What you need to ask is this. What through this trial is God teaching me? Well, I'll tell you a few things. He's teaching you, number one, conforming you to the image of Christ to love your enemy. To love your enemy. To love people you disagree with. Anybody can love someone they agree with. And you can be a pagan and love somebody you, you agree with. He's teaching you to love people you disagree with. He's teaching you humility. It is humbling. That's what life is about. When we say get a life, that's what you ought to think of. That is the life, humility. He's teaching you patience. Yeah, you can't get your way. You've got to be patient. You know, we pray for patience, and then when God wants to teach it to us, we say, Lord, I want it now. Uh, patience. Teaching you to depend upon him in prayer. You didn't get your way. So James says you have not because you ask not. So start asking God. And don't get annoyed if the answer is no. Or wait. But teaching you to pray more. Teaching you compassion for others who, who hurt. When you go through a hurt and somebody deeply hurts you and the tendency is to be angry and strike back, that's not the right response. The right response is, oh, I know what it is to be hurt. I, I, can, I can now minister more effectively to others who have been hurt. Because I'm not just saying empty words like I know what you're going through. And the other person's usually thinking, you know, you don't know what I'm going through. 
But if you've been hurt deeply, you know what other people are going through. You see, it all boils down to what you want to get out of life. If it's your way, then you're going to be angry. If, if your concern is I want God's will above everything else, and his will is to make me like Christ above all things, his will is to make us like Christ. When we think of the will of God, you ought not to focus on what job I should have, where should I live, what church should I go to. That's not the real issue. The will of God is more concerned about your character than, than where you live out your life, than location. The will of God is your character. So if you're going to have victory over, over the sin of anger, it, it boils down to, am I going to insist on my way or am I going to be submissive to the Lord and say, have your way? And his way is to make us like Christ. That's the command that God gives. Lord willing, next week, we're going to look at the reasons for putting aside the sins of hatred. But you know what you need to do. You need to recognize how sinful it is. It's serious stuff. Don't let don't let television in the world uh, make you callous to sin. You need to understand the source of your anger is yourself. It's not somebody else. It's not what they told you. You've met the enemy and them is you. So you need to to deal with that. You need to think differently. You need to get God's perspective. You need to understand that God is using all of these things in life to make you like his dear son. It, it just boils down to this. Is the goal in life to get my way? Do I think I have any rights? I don't deserve this illness, so why do I have to go through this? I don't deserve this horrible marriage. Why do I have to go through this? That's not the goal in life. The goal in life is God's agenda to make you like Christ. And it may very well be that it's a difficult marriage, uh, difficult children, children, difficult parents to make you more like Jesus Christ. So don't get, don't get angry. Don't get angry, but be submissive. Let's bow for, for prayer. It's a wonderful thing to know that uh, God gives us victory over anger. We can have victory. However, there are some here who don't know Jesus Christ. And you can have victory over anger without knowing him, without having him inside living his life through you, without the new man. But it's a marvelous truth of the word of God that, that Christ forgives us. God forgives us of the sin of anger, which is murder. But he only forgives based on the death of his son. If you have never trusted Christ, God holds you accountable for murder. For murder. You have murdered people. You've not just yelled at them. You've assassinated them in the sight of God. Just like Cain and Abel. And if you want forgiveness, it's only through the cross of Christ. It's only by repenting of your sin and trusting Jesus Christ alone for your eternal destiny. If God's moving in your heart, I'd like you to speak to someone after the service and speak to someone behind the doors just by the organ, and they'll tell you how to have forgiveness of your sin of anger and the forgiveness of many other sins. In fact, all your sins. Father, I thank you that we were able to look at this portion of Scripture. I, I pray, Lord, that these truths would not be in one ear, out the other. I, I pray that these truths will be taken to heart and we'll do something about it. Lord, I pray we'll think differently. I pray we'll have your perspective. A, a spirit of yielding our rights. The Lord is coming back. You want to make us more like Christ. Lord, I pray for victory, not only in church family, I pray for me as I struggle with these things, for the right attitudes 
in, in the midst of not getting my way, Lord, to remember what you're doing and to pray with an attitude of your will be done, not mine. Lord, I pray that you would help us to weep over our sin, to see that the, that the real key is not someone else, but our own sin. And I pray that you'll bring us back next week with victory and learning more as we go into the reasons for anger, learning more about how we can have victory over this. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Words are like bullets. Once we fire them off, there is no bringing them back. They will do whatever they will do and try as hard as we can. We can never completely undo the damage that ill-advised words can cause. Pastor Steve Kreloff will share more with us about the battle for holiness on the next Verse by Verse. These Bible classes of the year are produced by Verse by Verse Ministries and adapted from Pastor Steve's messages at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. To learn more about Verse by Verse or to listen to previous classes or even today's class if you missed part of it, stop in at our website, versebyverseradio.org. We also have helpful information if you feel led by God to contribute to this ministry. To order a CD or cassette with this entire three-part message, call us at 727-239-0306. During the War of 1812, Oliver Hazard Perry dispatched one of the most famous messages in military history. It read in part, Dear General, We have met the enemy and they are ours. In a 1970 Earth Day poster, cartoon character Pogo paraphrased the statement as, We have met the enemy, and he is us. That paraphrase could just as...